Welcome into a emergency podcast edition of NBA Sound System. It is the Mellow Emergency Pod. Carlin Gay alongside Mike Adams and Scott Rafferty. We are here to break down Mellow's first and only game in 2019-2020. He played for the Portland Trailblazers, if you've been living under a rock, or double zero. And it came in a loss to the New Orleans Pelicans, and a loss that he actually started in, played 23 minutes, gave him 10 points, shot 4-14 from the field, pulled down four rebounds, also had five turnovers, and five personal fouls for a grand total of a minus 20 vintage mellow performance. Well, wash mellow, not vintage mellow. What about mellow. vintage mellow? Come not on, a vintage mellow. I won't do that, too. I won't do that, too. That's a 10-time lost star. Show a little respect here. Micah Adams, is, uh, he actually wrote for NBA.com his uh, play-by-play and uh, of mellow and his review of mellow. But now, time to break it down and talk a little bit about it. Um, where do you sit on how Carmelo Anthony actually played in his first game back in over a year? Look, all those stats that you just said, they're all true. It's all true. Uh, there's no walking it back. And you can even paint an even gloomier picture, I mean, by looking at, you know, the team's offensive and defensive ratings with them on, on and off the floor. Um, I mean, he was he was by far the most active offensive player on the floor, yet he finished with the highest usage rate, higher than he ever has in any full season with the Knicks. I mean, they were featuring Mello like it was 2012 Mello. He did not deliver like it was 2012 Mello. And yet, I stand by, I actually think he played pretty well. I think why? he played pretty well. I but say it with, with a straight face. Why do you think he played? What about Melo's performance leads you to believe that he played well? Because I read off the stats. Most people would look at that. If you didn't watch the game, most yeah, people would just sure. look at the stats and say, well, you know, he's watched. That's what he's supposed to do. Or why is he even in the league? But watching the game gave you a different perspective. Why? We, I, when I showed up to work this morning, I asked three different people, hey, what did you think about Mello? They were like, oh, man, he was he was trash. Was, why? That's exactly what we would have expected. He hadn't played in a year. Of course he did that. And then we would ask, so did you watch the game? No. Well, if you watch the game, you would see a guy playing power forward, posting up smaller guys. He looked really confident. He was getting to his spots. He was lowering his shoulder. He was driving. He was attacking. He even got involved in a, in a couple pick-and-roll plays that he showed a lot of promise as a role man. I just think that this is a, this is a, a very isolated situation. We're sort of, I think the stats kind of paint the picture that this is the mellow of old, that this is the same exact mellow that struggled in Houston and OKC. That's not the mellow I saw last night. I, I saw someone that looked very assertive, that looked, the finishing was off. The turnovers are bad and the no assists, I can't defend. But I do think that we saw someone that, uh, was willing to play power forward, and I emphasize power, because Kendrick Williams on New Orleans had no answer for him. <laughs> he didn't want any part of it. They were sending doubles. He drew a couple uh, non-shooting fouls. Right. Uh, he forced an illegal defense that C.J. McCollum then got to go shoot the free throw for. So I, you know, I do think it is a situation where the stats do not begin to describe at all uh, what Carmelo did in his first game. We'll get to what this means for the Portland Trailblazers and also what it means for Melo overall throughout the season. But your one game takeaway from Carmelo's performance, Scott Rafferty. I, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. I mean, he's what he's he's been over years since he last played in the NBA, so it's not a surprise that there's some rust there. Um, the only thing, it, like, it's encouraging that he went two for three from the three point line. I think he's going to make his biggest difference as a three point shooter on this team, or he should. There was just a lot of mellow post-ups. There's a lot. 
Um, is is too much. Too much, and and it's the 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 season he played with the Thunder, which was his last full season. Um, he was still posting up quite a lot, and he was below league average in efficiency in the post. He's two years older now. I just don't know if that's a good plan, especially for this team right now. Um, and then that just brings in a whole other load of questions where it becomes, is he comfortable basically just being a spot-up shooter or a pick-and-pop guy? Um, do you have to run some offense through him just because that's the kind of player he is? Can he score well enough in those situations to warrant those touches? So I think it's beyond just the fact that he went 4-14 last night. Um, it's kind of looking more into his role in this team and how, how you know what they need from him. Well, we'll get to we'll get to the, what that means for the Trailblazers and what Melo means to the team and what his what best case scenario for him will be. But I want to ask you guys: give me a grade on what Carmelo's performance was game one, day one. What do you give him? A, B, or C? I give him a B minus. B minus, Scott. Um, I, I wouldn't say C because that's basically a fail if we're doing only three. So probably B minus as well. I don't. Th- I think it was. It, it was. It was. To I mean, quote myself, go, you can go C. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go stops. F. You could go. I mean, if Sorry, F is said, like the bottom, I'll say yeah, C. Yeah, F is the bottom. I'll say C. Okay. C. It's still a passing rate. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think again, I'm not surprised that he was a little bit rusty. There was some encouraging stuff there, but it also wasn't a great performance. The, the, I don't the, think we need to lie about it. The posting up to me was something that was really eye opening. So. Uh, Second Spectrum's player tracking data had him with seven post-ups. To give you some context, that would rank fifth in the league uh, behind only Anthony Davis, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, and, uh, and Giannis. So, um, you know, that, that's a lot of post-ups. Right. Somebody that really doesn't have the reputation as a back-to-the-basket uh, kind of guy. And I, I actually, you know, so, so that speaks volumes as to how Portland looks to feature him. Now, equally concerning is he scored zero points on those seven post-ups, <laughs> and he he didn't get to the line. Now, some of that there were a couple missed calls. One of the charges that uh, that was on him was it was a little bit dicey. A couple others, he could have easily gone to the line three times on those post-ups. You know, that's that, that's what we're dealing with when you look at small sample sizes. It's really hard to to look at no free throw attempts and seven post-ups and, and zero points and say that. He was a complete failure. I, he did miss some bunnies that I think typically he's going to make, or at least he should make. Um, but the, but the seven post ups I, I think really speaks volumes as to what he's going to be playing on this team uh, in terms of his role. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, no, I mean I was just going to say going back to what I said before about um, his last full season with the Thunder, um, he only shot forty one point four percent on post ups um, for. A, 0.84 points per possession um which is just terrible so that that's why i'm just i i just don't know how much that i mean obviously he's not gonna not score in the post all season long that's that's not gonna happen but i just don't know how um good of an option that actually is for this blazers team so we we before we started recording here you reminded me that a week ago we recorded a podcast when we found out that Mello would be joining the portland trailblazers Myself and Kyle Irving laughed you out of the room when you said Carmelo could potentially start on the team. Yeah, I had, well, to, I had to walk it back. I felt I felt like I was I was going <laughs> crazy over attacked, here. Right? I, I felt I felt like it. Yeah. Well, last night Carmelo Anthony actually said after the game the reason why he decided to sign with the Portland Trailblazers is because they were so upfront about him potentially starting with the team, and we saw that right out of the gate. Now, granted, he's not going to be featured as much as he was in Game One. That's not going to happen. 
But if Carmelo Anthony is going to be a starter on this team going forward, let's look ahead now. He's here. He's back in the league. We get past the nostalgia of and the his, you know, and being excited for him just being back in the league. He's going to be playing, and he's going to be a major part of the Portland Trailblazers. What does that actually mean for this team that really has gotten off to a horrible start to start the year? It's just it's just tricky. Like I going back to this whole thing. Like the reason that I said I think he could start is because there is. Um, a need for his skill set in the starting lineup. Um, a guy, a power forward who can stretch the floor. You can run some of your offense through. But again, like I just don't know how efficient he can be in that role at this stage of his career, especially after what we saw um, in Oklahoma City and in Houston to make a big enough difference on this team that they can make a playoff push after this rough start. Yeah, I so I think that you know last night's an- another reason why last uh, last night's a little tough to take too much from it is just Damian Lillard didn't play, right? So it's not like we saw the version of Carmelo that's the one that's going to be predominantly right. out there. Uh, he is, at best, uh, the third option on this team. And, uh, you know, I think that we saw some glimpses as to things that he can do. So he made two catch-and-shoot threes. I would expect that to be a pretty large dose of his offense, playing off of Damon CJ. We, we already talked about his posting up. The one thing he did probably a little more than Portland would probably like to see is sort of that that jab step 18 footer, the turnaround fadeaway mid range, like that's a shot Carmelo's fallen in love with his entire career. And, you know, that's probably the one that you look at and say, we don't want much of that. But the the playing as a four in pick and roll, and he, I mean, he has some really good plays in the second quarter uh, as a roll man, one of which led to a layup. The other, he, he tried Yaman, uh, got, got blocked at the rim, but still it was like pretty eye opening to see him even try doing that you know there are parts of Melo's game that can be very useful for Portland what they can't do is roll him out there and have him shoot 14 times in 24 minutes and lead the team in usage that's going to end poorly if you're Portland another thing is that I think Melo's kind of been criticized throughout his career for not being a better passer um, and it's it's more been it hasn't been about his ability to make passes because he can it's more it's been more about his willingness to do so um, and that's another thing I think he can bring to this team if, if he's willing to, to do more of that. Because um, Yusuf Nurkic is an excellent pick and roll passer on the rolls and things like that. And with him not being in the lineup anymore because of the injury, that's something they're not getting out of Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside has been basically one of the worst passes at his position um, in his entire career. So if you're putting Melo in more pick and pops and pick and rolls and he can score a little bit out of that, but also force teams to collapse on him when he's rolling to the basket and kick it out to shooters and things like that. Um, that could that could be another layer to this Blazers team that they don't have right now that he can add. I'm, I'm happy you brought up uh, Nurkic because I think, you know, certainly offensively, but I think defensively as well because, you know, Hassan Whiteside, I know, will we'll have some gaudy block totals, but he's not, I mean, he's not a smart defensive anchor that's going to four out, one in, guard the paint, right? Like, Scal last night was uh, not good either there's there there's the play where drew holiday is tying a shoe in the backcourt and then just you know waltzes into a layup right let's at the line. let's come out and say it's galabusi is is probably not an nba player at this point he's right. not but but i think what scott was talking about with nurkic like i would love to see Melo at the four next to a five that can do things right. like protect the paint on one end and then serve as a as an active passer on the other because I, I don't think until we see Mello as a four next to a five that can sort of hide Mello's weaknesses but then also accentuate his strengths uh, as a scorer, I don't think we're really going to see what Mello can do as a power forward. 
And, and the last thing on Melo, um, we really haven't talked about his defense at all. And I do think that's going to be a huge concern moving forward this season. Um, just because the Blazers are already not a good defensive team. And Melo's just never been a good defender. And he's 35 years old now. Um, so that's another hurdle they're going to have to overcome, even if they go just if they even if they decide to just go all in on offense. When when you say defense, and you mentioned that prior to Melo even arriving, the Blazers haven't been locking anyone down. Right now, they sit 21st in the league in terms of defensive rating. That's not good. Um, where do you sit in a camp where, um, if you were asked? Does it matter whether or not Carmelo Anthony plays any defense because your defense is that bad, or should he have to at least try defensively to try and get that number up? Because regardless, like you said, he's not a good defensive player at this point in his career. He's never really been a lockdown guy, but at this point of his career, you can't expect him to come in and play great defense. So are you expecting that number to drop and be okay with it? If Portland's going to be a playoff team, he has to, right? I mean, one of you know, Damon Cesar is still there, but this is a team last year that relied on Alfaruk Aminu and Mo Harkless and Nurkic until he got hurt. Um, you know, when that the Damon CJ are not a strong defensive backcourt. They're just not. They're at times capable. They can dig in when needed, but they're definitely not the strength of your team. So if those guys are still there and you're slotting Carmelo in alongside them, I mean that's a really steep drop off going from Harkless and Aminu to Melo. It's a huge drop off, and I think that kind of speaks to the complications around the signing because like Melo can in theory help them offensively. I just don't know if he's capable of doing it at this stage of his career. And then you also look at the, the defensive side of it and how he's... I, I don't think he's going to help them improve on that number. I just don't. Um, so I, I just really wonder, you know, how much of a difference... And we're talking like if he... Him in a perfect role, him, you know, exceeding all expectations, given everything that's happened with him, I just still don't know how much of a difference he can actually make on this team. All right, so let's write defense off. He's not going to make them a better defensive team. They're probably going to drop there offensively is where they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. We know that. Uh, coming into this, uh, prior to the Mellow signing, they are probably middle of the pack in terms of offensive rating. They're still there right now, even after playing the one game with Mellow. Uh, they're a team that likes to get up and down. They're top 10 in the league in pace. So does that help Mellow? When we're not, we haven't seen him play with the fall, the full you know artillery around him. There's no Nurkic. Lillard will get back on the court eventually. But when he has Lillard and CJ on the court, and he is now officially the third option rather than being, you know, featured heavily like he was in Game One, where do you see Melo benefiting the Portland Trailblazers? Is he going to be a guy that's going to help them stretch the floor? He shot well, as you said, off the top, two for three from three-point range yesterday. I, yeah, I still think he needs to shoot more threes than that, though. I think ideally, um, he he took what three threes, so his other shots there were eleven twos basically. I think that's you probably want that to be half and half. If not, you want him shooting more. But be fair, twos. that a lot of that was because they were posting him up as Mike just said off the top. No, that's true. I I think like ideally in his role though, he's probably a pick and primarily a pick and roll um, power forward at this point, camping out in the corners to stretch the floor, um, and then maybe against second units, that's kind of when you run your offense through him. Um, they don't have anyone on the roster right now, healthy bodies who can do that. So he can make that difference, but we'll see if he can actually do it. Rodney Hood's not that bad at it. No, Ro- no, Rodney Hood's not that bad at it. He's also not a power forward, though. He's, no, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wing player. And that's where that sort of that size is missing. Like Kent Bazemore does not have the size that Harkless or Aminu did, the, the departed, or, or even Evan Turner. And, you know, Zach Collins is, is already out. We already talked about Nurkic. You know, Simons has some some skill as a playmaker. He doesn't have good size. And, and Mario Hazonia is just, he's just not worked out. And when you look at just the depth of wing talent on this team uh, and moving on into the front court, it just sheds such a big light 
on Melo. One of the things that I, I think that he could really help this team is sort of, you know, one of the things that we saw happen in Oklahoma City. Whenever he was out there with both Russ and Paul George, mm-hmm. whenever Melo came off the floor and those two stayed on, that team got immensely better. And I do think that part of that isn't necessarily a uh, – it doesn't really necessarily condemn Melo, but I don't think I want him out there as a third option. Like if, if you're going to play Melo, play Melo. You don't need to feature him like they did last night. I like Melo as sort of the second guy playing off of one of those two guys when they're off the floor or even in those rare times when, when you don't need either of them out there. One of the troubling spots with the roster is you know, when Damon and CJ aren't out there, the majority of those minutes in the backcourt are being set, soaked up by Anthony Simons. He's a really young player. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of skill, but he's also not exactly the type of guy that's going to know, hey, this is the time that we're going to work we're going to work more mellow. We're going to work him in in the post. We're going to do some some more strong side clear out two-man game with, with Dame or CJ. So I, it's just the roster makeup. It's almost like if they had a different, more experienced backup point guard that could help leverage mellow as sort of that second option, I would also feel about it. I would also just feel better about it. It's, it's just a, it's a weird roster, and it's not Mello's fault. This is a situation that he's in. This is the team that signed him. I, I as For as much... As many encouraging signs as there are from his debut, I'm just I'm not so sure what's going to stick or what's going to work given the makeup and context of this team. Fifteen games into the season, the Portland Trailblazers, they are five and ten, not the obviously not the way they wanted to start the year. Damian Lillard should get back into the lineup, so that should happen. We knew that Nurkic would be out for a very long time. Hassan Whiteside really hasn't helped. They made that big trade in the offseason to get him to help out a little bit. He really hasn't helped out kind of guard the middle. So this team, as you said, let's say, let's be frank, they're in shambles right now. That's why they made the move. It was a desperate move to grab Carmelo Anthony off his couch to help these guys get back into the playoff race. Like like I said, 15 games in, they're 5-10. and 10. When do you find out if the Melo move was the right one? At one point in the season will we know whether or not Carmelo Anthony worked out for the Portland Trailblazers or not because right now you look at their schedule the Milwaukee Bucks are coming up that's a tough matchup against Giannis then they go to the Cleveland Cavaliers it's a winnable game the Chicago Bulls winnable game on the road to the uh sorry back home finally where they haven't played great they're one four at home uh against the Oklahoma City Thunder and then the Bulls roll into town so that's the next five for the Portland Trail Blazers but when do we really find out what this team is and if they should keep mellow going forward is uh should we say ten games? Do we, do we think that's fair? Ten um, games is is not a lot I of time. I think though. it needs to be longer than that. I mean that that was my uh, my joke about his ten games stint <laughs> with the Rockets, but good to know that that hit. Um, I don't know. My my gut says like the turn of the new year. Like you give this team another month and a bit. Um, hopefully you get some guys who are healthy. Melo has some time to work in. Um, I mean. But that, by that point of the season, given how strong the Western Conference is, they could very well be out of the playoff race. Um, but obviously, you need to give this some time. Yeah, and and look, like five and ten is not good. Uh, right now, there's not a whole lot of positive positive things that you can take from their mm-hmm. their start of the season. But I mean, we we also saw Utah each of the last two years get off to bad starts and be, you know, worse than five and ten. And even later into the season, they recovered uh, to make the playoffs. Like, there's still a team that finished with the third best record in the Western Conference last year. I know that a lot of the pieces are no longer the same, um, but it, it's certainly too soon to write them off. But I agree with Scott. I, th- I think you give them 
at least 20 games before we really definitively can say whether or not uh, this move makes sense. And really, like, punting the ball even further down the field. You know, if Portland has long been rumored to be a potential Kevin Love destination. Right. If they were to add Kevin Love, that's another awkward fit alongside Carmelo. So if Carmelo is going to be a part of the plan moving forward, what does that say about about then the potential for going and getting someone like Kevin Love? I I don't know. There's just... There's a lot of weird things going on with this roster. It, they're having a little bit of an identity crisis, uh, but I think it'll take another 15 to 20 games at least to sort of start to sift through the, through all the noise. I agree with you guys, and, I, and I'm not ready to count them out of not making the playoffs either. When you look at their losses, they've lost a lot of close games. Right now they've played 10 clutch games, and clutch games are you know games that are within five points in the last five minutes. They've played already 10 of those games out of the 15 they've played. So they're in games. It's not like they're getting blown out of these games. So they have enough talent to stay within the games. Now they just need to find ways to close those games. They've only won four of those 10 games, and maybe Carmelo adds to that. When they get Nurkic back, maybe there's another way for them to figure out how to win those close games. Do they make the playoffs, yes or no? No. I don't think so. (sighs) I'm going to say no. But I think it's going to be close. I don't. I don't think they're going to be tanking. It's it's hard to count out Dame in particular just because of the body of work that he, he he's done to this point in his career. How he's an MVP candidate seemingly every year, and he's been playing amazing start this season. Um, it's just the West is so deep, and they've gone off to such a slow start that it, it would take a lot to turn this around for me. I will say they they are five and ten. They're only one and five against teams with winning records right now. That the, those and five four wins. Home. Those five wins are not exactly against the cream cream of the crop. They have wins against the Spurs, who are struggling, the Hawks in overtime, the Thunder. They did beat the Mavericks in a, in a close game on the road, and the Kings amidst their own five starts. So even among that five and ten start, those five wins don't really hold, leave a whole lot of room for optimism. Uh, because if they are going to make the playoffs in that crazy hard conference, they're going to go. They're going to have to go and beat a lot of really good teams to. To get there, I'm just not sure if they have the depth three through ten to, to, to do it. Well, we're going to find out over the next month or so because they play the Lakers twice before the new year. They play the Nuggets on the road. They play the Clippers on the road and the Jazz on the road before the turn of the calendar. There's your breakdown of Carmelo Anthony and his first game and what that means for the Portland Trailblazers. Of course, you can find all our work on NBA.com for Scott Rafferty. Mike Adams. I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you Friday for the weekend preview here on the VA Sound System.